Support for Elwood City Limits is made possible by Facebook. Facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. Twitter. At ECL Podcast. Email. ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. And by subscribing on iTunes and following us on SoundCloud. Thank you. And, and my free time. Will, is there a groundhog in Arthur? Um, not that I'm aware of. I don't think that there is a groundhog character. Uh, uh no, there might be a beaver somewhere. And I wonder, in Arthur, like, are they sent, uh, do they have a groundhog day in Arthur? I think that'd be a fun, a fun little bit. Like, everybody's in Elwood City, and they're waiting for just, like, a normal groundhog to come out of his house. Right. Like, he just walks out of his, like, his home with the picket fence, and he's got a newspaper. Maybe he's in a bath. weather, huh? Yeah, he's in a bathrobe, and he's like, well, who's that? And it's like his shadow on the ground. I, look, we, we're like the Arthur writers. We just came up with a bit. There we go. That's a whole. That's a whole twelve-minute episode. That's for you, writers. You can you can have that one for free. That's right. I expect my check in the mail. Hey know. there. This is uh, Elwood City Limits. This is the episodic Arthur podcast. Thanks a lot for uh, joining us once again. My name is uh, Will Young. Joined as always by Lucas Mancini. Hi. And we have with us a special guest today for this pair of episodes, our first special guest on the podcast. Please do well to welcome our good friend, uh, Evan Stoney. Hey, Evan. Hello there. So you and I are going to be uh, cozying up together. We're uh, sharing a mic here. Uh, so, Evan, you're kind of in a similar uh, age group as us. What's kind of your experience been with, uh, with Arthur? Well, I think like most... Young children, that uh, Arthur's a big part of uh, my childhood, at least. I, I remember watching it a, quite a lot as a kid. Um, it, it wasn't my absolute favorite. I was definitely a, a Rugrats junkie. But, um, <laughs> but that theme I, song, though, that theme song's so dope. It, it, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's classic. It, it has so many great moments. Um, but Arthur, I, I read a lot of the books, of course. I remember in elementary school sort of having, like, Arthur curriculums. My teacher was obsessed Ooh. with Arthur and uh, Robert Munch, so I read a lot of those Oh, those Robert two. Munch is my man. Yeah, of course. I grew up on that guy. And now he's got that bad boy edge. Does he? Oh, yeah, he's a he's a. He's, he Coke. likes to party. He likes to yeah. party, Robert Munch. What? what oh, talking? yeah. What are you talking about? Look it up. No, tell me now. I just he. I think he got caught doing coke or something. What? Yeah. No Robert, way. It, it, Robert Munch doing and that, coke with the paper bag princess. He's doing coke with the paper bag p- princess and that guy from the bare naked ladies. They're all just having a big old coke party. <laughs> That's crazy. I didn't know that. I'm totally looking that up. Robert Munch doing coke. Mark Brown, uh, more more subdued, I would think. Mark Brown does YouTube videos about how to make the perfect PB and J sandwich. Oh well, there you go. He's, that's as whole, as, he's as wholesome as it gets. That's as his own type of party, though. That's crazy. Ain't no party like a PB and J party. PB and J party don't stop. Neither does Elwood City Limits. So Evan, glad to have you with us today. I'm glad to be here for this pair of episodes. Uh, first off, I want to give a shout out to our listeners. I uh, just kind of took a look at the uh, statistics recently. We've got listeners from all over the world. World, including uh, listeners in the U.S. of A. and a few in uh, Europe as well. So hello to all of our international listeners. Now, before we get into the episode, uh, now guys, if you uh, if you have liked our Facebook page, Elwood City Limits, then you would be familiar with a viral video that was going making the rounds last week. It was from the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. 
He gathered a few men to his charge to do the uh, the Arthur theme song. And so it was with Ziggy Marley, who did the original theme, and then they teamed up with Chance the Rapper. Chance the Rapper. So what would you think about that? It's a simple message, and it comes from the heart. Believe in yourself. That's the place to start. I'm gonna get by when I'm going to get rough. I'm gonna love life till I'm done growing up. And when I'm going down, I'm gonna go down swinging. My heart's still smiling and my heart's still singing. Gonna get by when I'm going to get rough. I'm gonna love life till I'm done growing up. And when I'm going down, I'm gonna go down swinging. My heart's still smiling and my heart's still singing. I thought it was really cool. Um, again, I'm a big Chance the Rapper fan. I love his rendition of that theme song. And it was cool. I, I don't think I've actually ever seen Ziggy Marley. I had a pretty good estimation of what he looked like in my head just from his voice and his last name. But uh, it was cool to see him performing the theme again. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if he tours. And I bet I bet if he does, he plays that song all the time. So it was kind of a fun a fun little throwback to hear even Stephen Colbert be like, "Oh, I used to love watching this show with my kids." Yeah, it was kind of it was it seemed kind of out of the blue a little bit. Um now uh, Evan, you and Lucas are big rap fans. Yes. Uh so Chance the Rapper, is he also your guy? Yeah, man. Of course, you got to love Chance. He's he's just uh you can't deny him at this point. He's on top of the rap game. That's right. And uh, I've told Will this before, I think in our first episode, that Chance the Rapper sort of – he's like the rap embodiment of Arthur where that – uh, he's incredibly he's, anxious and <laughs> has an annoying little sister. No, not Arthur the character. bigger than him in rap? <laughs> no, not, not Arthur the character. More so Arthur the uh, the mission statement of the show in that uh, Chance the Ra- Rapper is a really positive rapper. Like, okay. I find the message behind a lot of his music is, is this really positive love thy neighbor sort of thing. And I think the show rap, uh, the, excuse me, the show Arthur um, has similar values, especially even in the theme song. So... Um, it's a match made in heaven. Yeah, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, check out our social media. We've uh, put it in a couple of places, and it was, uh, yeah, really fun to share around. And definitely a little bit uh, out of the blue for uh, someone like Stephen Colbert to suddenly spotlight Arthur. But I'm glad that he got his due because normally with PBS shows like that, you're thinking, you know, like Sesame Street and, you know, everybody loves Sesame Street and the Muppets and all that kind of stuff. So good that we're finally moving ahead with uh with that sort of thing. Okay, so we are looking at a new pair of episodes today. Remember, you can always follow along with us. In fact, that's the best way to interact with the show. Uh, just Google in these episode names and you can find it yourself. Uh, we uh, can't condone or endorse the way that you find them, but uh, you got to do what you got to do in order to get some of that Arthur sunlight in your life. So today, as is appropriate for our new, uh, for somebody moving into our recording space here, uh, Evan Stoney moves in. I mean, Sue Ellen moves in is our is our first episode. I, it actually worked out pretty well. I was like, hey, we we'll, might as well do this next week. And it's like, it's all about a new character coming on the show. So it uh, works out pretty well. Yeah, it was good. And I uh, I don't really know the Sue Ellen story beyond this. I kind of – I forget. I know, the, I know the cast of the Arthur characters. Right. Uh, basic knowledge. But I, I really watched this episode with not very much context because I haven't been – you know, watching a lot of them as of recent. This is probably the first Arthur episode I've watched in uh, many years, I'd say. You haven't been breaking it down week to week like we have. Yeah, you missed out on all those big arcs, you know, Mr. Haney's somehow past life. You've missed out on the uh, accent change that uh, Miss, what's the janitor? Miss McGreedy's accent change. There's so many deep plot lines you've missed out on, Evan. That's right. Um, 
But this is not a bad one to uh, to get into at first. So I'll uh, so I'll tell you. It starts off with, of course, uh, we we. Uh, we call it Arthur Ferris Buellering to the camera because mm-hmm. he's breaking that fourth wall, saying that kids don't always get along. And he kind of has a couple of pairs of his friends. Um, so, like, Muffy and Prunella started out really hating each other for no no real adequately explained or uh, real reason. They just kind of started saying that they hated each other, and it stuck. I mean, they're both very type A personalities, so it so. makes sense. Prunella is much like Muffy, Muffy a character we haven't really gotten to see Yet uh, beyond her being like, oh, she talks about her sister who's older than her all the time and she's kind of stuck up. Right. Those are like her only two traits. She's the definition of a two-dimensional character. So I'm, I know she's got some episodes coming eventually, so I'm excited to see that. Eventually um, everybody gets an episode. Uh, something I thought was interesting here was that of all the people Arthur lists, he doesn't talk about how him and Francine didn't like each other at first, which we know for sure because we saw a whole episode about yeah. that. Some, somehow Arthur is always kind of uh, antsy to chirp Francine, even when it might actually – be in the right. And then uh, Binky and the Brain never really got along. More that Binky never really took took a shine to the Brain's uh, intelligence. And that always kind of made him feel a little inferior. Uh, that situation, the Binky and the Brain one, where uh, I think the Binky throws a block at the brain in some sort of preschool setting. Yeah, yeah. That happened to me in real life. That exact thing. Wait, I was you, were, bu- you were building a huge castle and yes. somebody threw a block and yes. messed it up? Yeah. Jordan, oh, I don't want to say his name actually. I almost, I almost outed him. Uh, he moved far away to America now, but I still dislike to escape you. I, I still dislike him to this day. So I never forgot that, him throwing that block in my head. And uh, then again, the brain is... Uh, is creating a good snowman. Binky's barely making it up to snuff with his, and he just decides to he just decides to tackle Brain through his uh, snow Eiffel Tower, or whatever it is, and uh, which and and then they just both laugh about it. So it's like a couple of Krogans from Mass Effect who just kind of <laughs> headbutt each other, and they're like ah or <laughs> violence like, or something. So I thought that was really strange. I think those two guys their their egos would certainly clash. I think that's why they didn't get along at first. Okay, I think they have a. Uh, very different mentalities. That's true. That's true. One's sort of Hobbesian, and one sort of has a a lock view of humanity. <laughs> they're they're two sides to the same coin, possibly. What, whatever you say, pal. <laughs> but I think, I think I think Binky in the Brain would that not be a great spinoff? Oh, dude, should we think, not? Do you think they knew? Well, I, well, I don't know. It sounds so close to Pinky in the Brain. Right. It, it could have been, but it's it's such a minor plot point in this episode. I, I don't know <laughs> if it was a big deal, but I mean. I could see them road tripping, doing a, a buddy comedy. They're Binky a, and the Brain. They're Binky and the Brain. And you They're know the what? perfect odd couple. You know One what, though, is Evan? A genius. Um, the other's a dog. Uh, you haven't you <laughs> you he? haven't actually oh. seen a lot of. We, there's been a lot of like Binky based episodes. Oh, okay. Um, and Binky's one of my favorite characters. That he wasn't actually one of my favorite characters as a kid, but as an adult, like we've really got to see Binky's got a ton of depth because. You know, his basic character is he's like, he's kind of a bully. He uh, missed a grade, so he's a little bit older than them, and he's kind of dense. And I, I say that, it's all, so insulting, but the writers really think that he's dense. But Binky's also got this sensitive side that he's embarrassed of, and he, he likes to read, but he's embarrassed of it. So he's one of the more interesting characters. And the brain's just a fun character in general. Like, writing those super smart characters is always a fun time. So I think you're onto something with a Binky and Brain offshoot would be. They're two characters that I, I'd like to see more of. They have a bit of interactions in later episodes, and I think you're absolutely right about that. And then it just kind of 
the opening kind of is it's a little weird because we get this kind of theme that Arthur establishes and then immediately kind of throw it out the window because it's like nothing was like when we all met Sue Ellen and then we just get her kind of specter in front of her house and then it's like what did that have to do with kids not liking each other? I mean, I I understand where it goes within the episode, but it's just like it's like Muffy and Prunella hated each other, Binky and Brain hated each other, and then Sue Ellen arrives. Boy, boy, I tell you, who? Uh, what else is going on? It's kind of thing. So I thought that was kind of a weird a weird place to end that opening at. Uh, so then we get into the episode proper. Uh, they're sledding, of course. It is a winter based episode, so we're doing the classic of sledding. Did you guys have? Uh, did you guys like to do that when you were younger? Oh, of course. What's I, what was it? So I had a I had one of those big red discs that like Francine is uh, sledding on. What was your uh, sled of choice? I was a crazy carpet sort of guy. Oh, crazy carpet! Lots of crazy carpets. They're they're affordable. You can get plenty of them. You can take all your friends out on the crazy carpet. I'm uh yeah that, that, that's what I did for the most part. Something I thought about this scene is that um, they're all sledding and it's it's a very sign of the times kind of thing because none of them are wearing helmets and I find you see a lot more kids sledding with yeah. helmets these days. Especially Buster, he's on one of those like. Those it's almost like a snowmobile. Those sleds with the three yeah, treads. Yeah, those, those things are so dangerous looking. Like I feel like they're so top heavy that it's gonna busters and they're going fairly fast. It's a big hill, dude. I, maybe I'm maybe I'm getting too old or I'm getting too much of a busybody. But right. I, I worried about the kids. I was like, man, they yeah. need a helmet. We got Bitsy Baxter over here. Exactly. Think that would fly today. Is that is that PC enough? Are they allowed to show kids without helmets? I don't think so. I think I think they totally. I mean, in shows where kids skateboard, they're always wearing like elbow pads and knee, knee pads. pads and the whole nine yards. And I think these days, if you make a show where kids Rocket are sledding, power, you can't go two minutes without kids wearing a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Buster, uh, or so everybody, kind of sees. Uh, that there's a moving van in the neighborhood they go to go to go see. So it's Buster, Arthur, and Francine, and then Muffy is in like the first opening seconds going down the hill, and then we just totally forget about her. So I don't know what that was about. Much like, like the writers have forgotten about <laughs> Muffy. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, so they go to see uh, what's going on at the new place, and then Francine has to duck out. So it's Buster and Arthur. They decide to sneak closer and get and peek inside, get a closer look of what's going on in this new house with this new people. Uh, Buster has to kind of pull down his ears so that he doesn't get spotted. Very, very splinter cell. Got to like make sure that you're uh, tapping circle to get close to the window. Maybe knock on another wall so you can distract somebody. Uh, and then they get spooked by lights on a timer. Like, they're just like immediately. It's just like oh, it's invisible people. I'm like, no, dude. It's just lights turning on. Buster's exact quote is, "I know why we didn't see the people in there. They're invisible." Right. That's his. That's his first of many. Wor- a lot of working theories we get. In this so, I, and I guess I'm going to just address this right now. The running theme of this whole episode is if uh, we've talked about this before, but yes. Buster would be so into fake news. Like okay. he <laughs> would be all about Infowars.com. That was the whole vibe I was getting from Buster. <laughs> no, that's my. That's my note here. I said this I is have the same note. This is. I said this is Infowars Buster. Oh. <laughs> Like did you, it, did you, I didn't okay I didn't say Infowars <laughs> what I what I did say was I think that Buster's going to grow up and he's definitely going to be a conspiracy theorist to uh, the fullest extent oh absolutely. He, he had the most whacked out theory for sure on what was going on with Sue Ellen and I think he's definitely going to be very neurotic very paranoid and uh, but he's also so unwilling to fact check like whatsoever like mm-hmm. Buster oh, he's just, the definition of like he hears something once and he's like that's the explanation mm-hmm. and he obsesses over it like. 
any moment in this episode, I wrote down all these Buster lines, and I'm expecting each one to be followed by, and also they're putting fluoride in the water, and the fluoride, like... Buster The chemtrails. Uh, yeah, exactly. The chemtrails. Like, that's... It's so weird. Um, it's I And I think a part of this is now, like... You know, I think conspiracy theorists were a lot goofier in the 90s. You watch a show. They like, were a lot less of a threat. Like Joe Rogan's character on the show News Radio, he's kind of a conspiracy theorist. He's always talking about UFOs. Slash maybe Joe Rogan in real life? Uh, well, but. Um, I like, said maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Not willing to but uh, uh, I don't disagree. But um, <laughs> like there was that era in the 90s where the X Files was big. Everybody's yeah. like, oh, I you know. Leave. It was sort of this like. It was a lot more lighthearted. Like, the government knows about the aliens and they won't tell us. But the current world we live in, I think the idea of conspiracies and alternative, quote unquote, alternative facts have taken a lot more of a sinister turn. Yeah, so, you're seeing right. the way Buster uh, sees the world around him, I find it, I still kind of find it funny, but given. The current context, I look at it and I'm like, "Oh, Buster!" Like Buster Breitbart Baxter over when, here. When you read Breitbart, the no. when you read the Economist Buster, that that paper's existed for like hundreds of years. They have multiple points of inquiry. They have separate sources. Like it's not fake news, Buster. You can trust you, you, you can vet, trust you, okay. the you Economist. Need to vet, you need to vet your sources. I, th- I think Buster has good intentions, though. I think he's just worried about his own well being and probably the well being of others. I only yeah. I, so I, I is Alex Buster. Jones. Yeah, but I, I don't think Buster would. Line with the uh, the alt right or anything like that. No, no I don't no. think he's. Uh, you, you know, he's I, got too good of a heart for it. And the, th- and the good thing that separates, you know, uh, infowars.com from don't visit that site from Buster <laughs> is uh, is the fact that Buster's a kid, mm-hmm. so he's kind of allowed to go on these flights of fancy. And like we have this implicit trust that he will kind of smarten up as he gets older. <laughs> I hope it, so. It does Buster. say a lot. It's, it says a lot about his character, though, which sometimes you just can't shake. That's right. Uh, so. Uh, Buster's at dinner with his mother, and we find out that his mother, whose name is Bitsy, uh, she works at the paper. And I actually thought that this episode did a lot better service to her than normal because it's like, oh, she's not just helicopter parent. She works at the paper. She wants to interview the new family, and she seems totally, totally fine. So uh, this is a step in the right direction. I just realized how ironic it is that his mom is a part of the media. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't, didn't even that. realize that until you mentioned it. Where do you think, yeah, where do you think he gets that from? That from implicit the... distrust. Maybe his dad, when he's flying those jets, oh. he knows about the chemtrails in the divorced? jets. Do you think that's why they divorced? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, oh, this, oh, the plot thickens over the here. The dad just tried to order those vitamins to protect them from fluoride <laughs> one too many times. <laughs> What really happened at Roswell? Let's find out, Buster. Let's fly a plane there. <laughs> Buster's just kind of like, I don't think anybody's going to be able to see them, Mom. That's right. His mom wants to write a story about them. Uh, right. uh, about these the invisible people. <laughs> uh, and then Buster's at Arthur's place. Arthur, uh, in a classic case of... Uh, crafty kit of like crafty inventions for kids, like you know, th- those old books that we used to have when we were young. Of just like, here's a bunch of crafts you can make, and like all this sort of stuff. Arthur is making a like a makeshift periscope, it's very boy a, scout out of a milk carton and a mirror. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting, and I wonder if it actually works. Like, I wonder because all he did was kind of cut a square out of it and have somehow a rectangle, small rectangular mirror that he just. I don't know, cut out of a mirror. Or so something. I actually did make one of these in Boy Scouts. Oh, you did? Yeah, back in the day. Wait, you like, were in Boy Scouts? Yeah, I was. Um, wow. And, and this whole project is Look very. Look at Clark Kent over here. Uh, it's very Boy Scouts. It's very Canadian living. Like, uh, that's a magazine for you, American listeners. Um, <laughs> but it's very, like, boys' life, kind of like. 
Oh, you you get two cans and you put a string between them. You can use them as walkie talkies. Yeah. But this totally does work, and it doesn't seem like it should. It's it, it, you're like no, there's a, there's like a there's like a middle step that you're kind of missing. That I'm like, if I tried to make that, I'd be like, why isn't it working? But it does it it works surprisingly well. Okay. Very creepy though. I, I may add that they all know how to do this. I mean, <laughs> it's it's straight up just a, a spying device. Yes. They're using it to peer in Suellen's window. Um, stage five creep right there. That's like, <laughs> what is... What Buster, is but you know what, though? Buster's got the right idea. Instead of taking matters into their own hands, he says to Arthur, we should go to the FBI before we go back to that house. And then, and then to which Arthur responds, before you start a crazy rumor, I want to be sure. So we're not, we're at least... At least he's used to it by now. Like, he knows Buster's <laughs> Buster's escalation. Like, he's able to kind of at least try and bring him back down. So they, again, like like you said, stage five creeping on the uh, the Armstrong family, Sue Ellen Armstrong. Uh, and they're kind of in a snowbank. And then all of a sudden, like, somebody walks by them who isn't even, like, anybody. And they just take this huge dive through the snowbank. And it's just like... Not sure why they thought that was because they don't really move; they just kind of go into the snow. And I, I just kind of thought it was funny. They're just like, <gasps> and then just like, got them. They can't get us now. We're all wet. <laughs> well, they're they're just extremely frightened by everything that happens while they're creeping. Yes, there's another oh moment where the music starts playing, and the, what yes. do they say? They go, "It's it's alien music, outer space uh, music, outer space music." And and they all just bail they immediately. Just run away screaming. Yeah, like, I'd say it's a little hasty yeah. to jump to that conclusion. Well, Buster Baxter, Buster Breitbart Baxter is nothing <laughs> if not hasty. Uh, so they're kind of at this point collaborating theories before they even meet Sue Ellen about exactly who she might be at the Sugar Bowl. Um, and so you mentioned uh, Lucas that kind of Prunella's character right now is referring to her sister. Her sister's name Rubella. Yeah, those those parents, listen, I, maybe they're sticking with a theme. They did better than George Foreman, but they really are not the most imaginative folk. So uh, so we get into a couple of the theory, the working theories that the kids have about Sue Ellen. So Prunella, uh, her theory is that Sue Ellen and her family, presumably, uh, lived internationally as uh, a team of cat burglars. So mm-hmm. we, many cutaways here about the theory. So it's like Sue Ellen dressed in your you know classic uh, domino mask, uh, all black. She's on a she's on an enormous like cl- city eating zeppelin in Paris, <laughs> and she ropes down to an, an art museum where there are two guards who are uh, just kind of patrolling, and she manages to use all her wiles to abscond with, like, all of the paintings, just kind of rolls them up like posters and puts them in her, puts them in her backpack. And you can, tell it's, uh, you can tell it's France because there is a guard who is openly eating a croissant and going, like, making the OK sign, just like, ah we, ah we. He's also got kind of a, a like, oh, yeah. semi-almost racist mustache. Yeah, he's, he's very, very curly, very curly, um, very... Uh, uh, whatever the lead character of Lazy Town is. Oh, is uh, Sporticus. Sporticus. Uh, it's How did I know you'd know that? It's very high concept with the Zeppelin. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like some of these are direct, at least the imagery in these dream sequences are direct references or homage to things. Like the next dream sequence with the car and the window is very The Prisoner, like that old British TV show. Yes. Um, 
I, and I wonder what this is a reference to, the Zeppelin and in Paris and the cat burglar from the Zeppelin, because I feel well, like I've seen this imagery before. Yeah, maybe. And I mean, I, I can't think of anything specific because, uh, you know, there's an only there's not a whole lot of times you see Zeppelins in media. but uh, uh, <laughs> Which is a, a darn shame, yeah, no, by the way. Zeppelins are awesome. Like, I think that they should be used more. But it, remind, it reminds me of like uh, – this is, this is going to be so weird. Like, the first thing it makes me think of is The Knighthood, which was, like, that French comic that was a Teletoon cartoon for a little bit. I'm not familiar. No, it's... Yeah, you, Sounds you, dope. You, you wouldn't be, but it's, like, it's, like, about a French, like, vigilante, sort of like the French Ooh. Batman or something. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that's said in, like, of course there would be Zeppelins and, like, like Bobbies and stuff like that. It's whale punk. Yes. No, no, no. That's... No. Oh. It's no whales. It's, it's, it's France. It's... Are there whales in France? Good question. Uh, I mean, the country <laughs> Wales is near France. Uh, but Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Whale, I don't think whale punk necessarily needs to have whales, but I digress. But then why is it called whale punk? I mean, why is... <laughs> I We could get into this, but why... Ah! Uh, ah. No, but... Uh, <laughs> Why is Witch House called Witch House? Never, what's what's Witch House? It's a genre of music. What's 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 what is it though? It's like oh gosh, we're, we're getting into this, but it's like so it's like a type of house music. It's a subgenre of house oh, music. Oh right, house music. with more of a. Uh, Do they play like Halloween sound effects? Mm, it, it's, it's like it's like house music mixed with like soft grunge and like that kind of stuff. I again. It's one of those. Yeah, I feel like we could spiral down off of this. So let's get back to when this. I when I say whale punk, I'm talking about like Dishonored. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the first thing I thought of. But there's like actual dead whales oh. in Dishonored too, which I just finished playing. Uh, Sue Ellen is uh, uh, menaced by this guard with a croissant that he uses in place of a gun uh, here. But then she has the ultimate way out. Uh, instead of taking the rope back up, she uses rocket shoes. So she's got her rocket sneakers, and then finally. Uh, in the fantasy decides to set course for a place called Elwood City where no one realizes I'm here to rob them. Uh, then we go into Arthur's idea, which is that he says she's not the cat burglar type. Uh, ex- instead... Which is presumptuous because he's never met her. <laughs> right. He just kind of looks at her and instead of a cat burglar, he sees an international villainous spy mm. who has been playing the role of this uh, elderly scientist like... Uh, uh, in-house maid or whatever or and gets the master program from him and then delivers it to a country that she's spying for that she, she admits she can't pronounce the name of. And I, I actually wrote it down. It's like she goes to the embassy of this fake country. I Googled this. And it's um, – she keeps trying to say like Ningafafa. See, and I wrote it down. It's N-G-N-G-A-F-A-J-H-C. So it's like Ningafafajj. Something. I thought this bit was hilarious, by the way. Like, I spy for a country I can't even pronounce the name of. Yeah. Is a really great line. It's and, it's really out there. And like I said before, the sequence specifically where she's, like, driving in the old car and she talks to the window, straight out of The Prisoner, if you watch that, like, 60s British television okay. show. So I thought that was a cool homage. What did you What did you make of uh, these of these theories so far, Stoney? These theories about uh, what Sue Ellen yeah. does? Yeah. Um, I thought they were cool. The theories, obviously, these kids are uh, letting their imaginations run wild. But uh, I, I, coming back and watching this Arthur episode, I liked it because 
the dream sequences are very creative, and it reminded me of, like, Gilligan's Island, shows like okay. that where they go into these uh, ridiculous uh, fantasies for a little while just randomly. I didn't know well, they did that on Gilligan's Island. Yeah, they I think do I've ever like, actually seen an episode. Yeah, they'll, like, insert the characters into all these situations, you know, make them pirates or make them whatever. So okay. I thought that was really cool. It's, it's a creative part uh, of Arthur that I definitely forgot about that I think <laughs> I enjoy. It's so interesting you say that, Evan, because, like, in – my experience rewatching this show that's been one of my favorite parts is they get really out there with the dream sequences like mm-hmm. the last ep- the episode we were talking about last week me and Will uh, it had decapitation um, and re- oh yeah there's there's been tons of dream sequences with implied death and yes. and or, really or, or really like, or like prolonged torture yeah bizarre imagery in all these dream sequences and when Will says prolonged torture he's not talking about just one I can think of multiple prolonged <laughs> torture dream sequences he has some real terrifying I images the wrong episode yeah next time don't make me get the crank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that one. And then, of course, Buster's is the sensible one because there's like a, you know, a spy. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I'm telling you, she's part of an alien invasion force given human form. And it cuts to a flying saucer landing and out comes Sue Ellen, uh, a, the rat kid who's kind of in the background every now and then, and DW. And he's just like, who knows how many of them walk among us? It's a very invasion of the body snatchers. Oh, absolutely. Uh, while they're all like pontificating on what Sue Ellen's true nature is, there's a line that this is where I realized Buster had gone full InfoWars. Uh, and it's I think someone like says, well, maybe they're just normal or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and Buster responds with, that's the kind of thinking that will get, get this, this planet conquered. <laughs> I, I just That one line is what really solidified in my mind of Buster being like, oh, got, the we, globalists, we, the globalists. We uh, gotta get them before they get us. Yeah, they gotta, they're demons. Yeah. Catchman bad with a goblin. <laughs> we can't go down that road again. No, we really can't. Because <laughs> it sounds like the, the more we use it, it's just like I don't want us to sound like we're endorsing him. No, like, no, 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 no. So at this point, everybody's tongues are wagging about Sue Ellen, and we get this like almost Brady Bunch-esque phone tag cutaway where it's like everybody is taking up their parents' line and just talking incessantly about Sue Ellen, probably using the new three-way calling feature. I remember when that was like when there were a bunch of changes to uh, the phone system here in uh, our part of Canada, and there was like it came on the back of the uh, of the um, of the phone book, and it was like now you can have three way calling. I loved this sequence because it's sort of it, like you said the Brady Bunch, where it's this grid, and every character occupies a square. But there's a part at the end where um, it's really creatively animated, where Binky sort of breaks the fourth wall and climbs out of his square. Right, right, right. Uh, and he, and it, the reason he does this is because he's called Mr. Ratburn unknowingly, <laughs> uh, and Mr. Rat, and he's like, "Have you heard about uh, Sue Ellen, new kid?" And and Mr. Ratburn's like, "Who is this?" <laughs> hey, not just Mr. Like. It's Mr. Rapper in school line. Oh, I didn't notice that. I thought he was in his a, home. No, he's in. The, I think he's in the classroom. <laughs> That's even funnier. Yeah, really, it is. I liked it a lot. So finally, Buster and Arthur get get a get a glimpse of Sue Ellen, and uh, she seems pretty normal. Just kind of asking him where the post office is, but she doesn't know what snow is. Like she's never seen snow before. She says like cold, wet sand. Uh, so that kind of. Uh, gets there, gets them confused a little I, bit. I think she seemed a little suspicious at that point. Actually, I was <laughs> I was kind of on Buster's side for a minute because it's like, where's the post office? First of all, you don't have any any letters with you. What do you do? <laughs> what 
What? And you're five. What? Why, <laughs> why do you need to go to the post office first of all? And then when they they tell her where the post office is, she starts uh, pretending she doesn't know what snow is. So well, she doesn't even go well, to the post okay, office. Okay, pretend. She's, pretend. Okay, okay. I'm I'm I'm, I'm being. You're, harsh. Re, you're reaching a little there, folks. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I, okay, under, understood. Hey, so I understand. They're like, well, who is this? Like, what? Why is she like? We need you to know? we need to have somebody here to stick up for Buster because yeah. I found it a little <laughs> difficult. I relate to Buster. Sure, uh, sure. I, I will say this, and this is sort of our we've seen kind of Sue Sue Ellen as an extra in a lot of episodes, but yeah. this is the first time I really realized Sue Ellen's got a really unique voice actress. Yeah, um, I find a lot of the kids kind of sound a little bit samey, and that's because I'm sure a lot of them share voice actors. Same voice actor, yeah. Uh, but I found Sue Ellen has a, a a unique voice and almost a unique accent that's different than the other kids, which. I thought was a really interesting detail yeah, she d- because she's supposed to be from a different place. Right. She does kind of seem like she's not from around here. That's a good point. I actually hadn't really thought of that. So this is where we get the... Um, oh, one more thing on yo, not yo. knowing what snow is. I uh, When I was in junior high, I knew a Hawaiian kid uh, who had just recently moved to where we're from, Nova oh, Scotia. God, that must have blown his mind. Well, so he had seen snow before, but it was only at, like, ski hills and mountain. He had okay. never seen snow fall. Like, he'd never seen no snow turn into snow is falling and now there's snow. Right. And I was with him. I was over at his house playing Halo 3 uh. when he <laughs> saw his first snowfall. And so that's something I'll never forget. because awesome. It was a really interesting experience to see someone who had never seen snow falling to the ground see it for the first time. Right. It's like if you and I were in a different country and all of a sudden it's like it started raining blood. And it rains like it just does that. I'd be like, where's the brood? Like, what? This is like, man, that would have been, that'd be nuts or like, or something. Or like in those countries where it like rains fish for no reason. You ever see that? Like when it's just like this. Oh, yeah. I think I read that in Genesis. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm serious. It's like, it's a phenomenon that happens in uh, some parts, in like some parts of the world obviously not all the time but it's just like imagine if it started raining fish and everybody was like or like in that Simpsons episode where it's like Homer gets to that uh, the treehouse of horror where uh, Homer gets to that idyllic version of his life except nobody knows what donuts is and then it starts raining and it's raining donuts that kind of thing it, it, I, I bet it would feel like that because I can't imagine not knowing what snow is like living here in Canada so this is where we get the outer space music and then Buster runs home and finds out that his mother has invited the family to join them for dinner at this point Buster's paranoia is off the charts he thinks <laughs> yeah. that the Armstrong family is out to get him they're coming to neutralize him exactly I, I wrote down that quote because that, <laughs> that quote stuck with me that yeah they're coming to neutralize me you because, said it with a squeaky because, little voice yeah, because, if you, because if you read between the lines it's just like they're coming to kill me mm-hmm. like, or they, worse or they're coming to like break Brainwash him, or yeah, really. Uh, like <laughs> neutralize could mean all sorts of negative Killing's things. Too good for him. I don't and know. The, just so that he thinks it's going to happen to him, uh, it goes <laughs> to show just how paranoid and self-involved. Like that, it's a very they're coming to get me sort of thing. When it, he didn't even talk to Sue Ellen, but all of a sudden he thinks she's after him in particular. Like it's yeah, he's get, he, he's getting a little carried away. He doesn't for sure. need, he doesn't need encouragement in this sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I, like I wrote down here, I'm really uh, more. Uh, this is the first episode that I'm saying this, but I'm actually kind of more into to Bitsy than into Buster than this episode because, like, Bitsy's just kind of doing her job. She's just like, I'm interviewing this family, and they were very nice, and now I'm inviting them over for dinner. And just like, oh, that's nice of you. And Buster's just like, they're coming to kill me, man. Yeah, Mom, you write for fa- fake news. Fake news. Like, he's very much. The known liberal bias of the <laughs> Elwood City Times. I'm not buying it. So Buster, in his <laughs> when he's at peak freakout, he sort of has this this nightmare peak sequence. Freak, yeah. When we talk about when we talk about 
um, the creative dream sequences of Arthur and how dark they can get. This one, I remember, legitimately gave me nightmares as a kid. Okay, so it's Buster in his room and we see like the cartoon uh, scent trail of whatever his mother's cooking. and It's, it's like raspberry pie. Roast beef, mashed potatoes, and raspberry pie. That's the good stuff right there. But then Buster's like, this must be a clever alien trap. And then so – Cut to the Buster's imagination where it's like this amazing spread, like everything you could want. But then it's Sue Ellen and her family crowded around him and they and she says, you're the only human who knows our true identity. She brings out a spray bottle and encases him in this bubble and then not, and they open the window and he floats up into space. They put him in an airtight bubble and they set him adrift in space. Presumably to perish in the vacuum of space. What else would you do? Uh, float into the sun or he, something. All he has in the bubble is like a pizza slice. You know what, though? He's not really freaking out that much. He's like... He, no, he's taking it remarkably in stride. Yeah, he, he reserves himself to it and he's like, oh, I forget what he says exactly, but he seems more bored now, now than Earth, anything now else. Now Earth is enslaved because I couldn't control my appetite. I wish I'd brought some cookies. <laughs> I wish I... Yeah, he's he's. Hungry is his main issue, not that he's going to suffocate. Or that Earth is going to be enslaved. <laughs> That's true. And he needs to get his priorities straight. Yeah, no, really. But, but uh, I, I, Courage but, under fire, this Buster Baxter. Uh, there's a lot of things in Arthur that do stick out as things that really did truly scare me as a kid to the point where I would think about them when I went to sleep. Oh. And this is one of them. So, like, you know, there's the classics, right? There's the Jekyll Hyde song, Horrifying Stuff. There's sure, the, sure. Uh, uh, there's that bus that they n- can never get off, and it's squid people. Um, oh yeah, I was thinking about that one yesterday. <laughs> uh, but this one's up there. I think. I think perishing in the vast infinite space well, is a really really scary concept. Well, when you think about it now, it's like when I was a kid, it's just like, well, obviously it's his imagination, and then it's just like, ah, eh, he's just stuck in space, and like now it's like, no, he's he's dead. He is dead. Yeah, gravity with Sandra Bullock. This is not like if if he doesn't die in the bubble, the bubble will burst. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know which is worse. Actually, the bubble bursting is worse because at least at least when you're oh I don't think no so. at least when you're adrift in space and you're like slowly suffocating. By the way, sorry for this tangent, but it's just like at least you have something nice to look at, like the wonders of space. I would rather the bubble burst and my lungs expand to the point where they explode because then it'd be a quicker end. Oh man, I am sorry I brought this up. This is this <laughs> is really horrible to think about. Uh, so then Arthur uh, kind of. Uh, throws a rock at Buster's window to get his attention uh, because he wants he wants to show Buster the article that his mother wrote and just like obviously they're not aliens or anything they've just lived all over the world and to your point Lucas yeah, this he is even, where he gets the most he, fake newsy he, it's, he, I don't know it must be the current the, the current news cycle and I'm sorry to keep harping on this but this was really uncanny yeah. given 2017 and how uh, we've talked before about the Arthur writers being capable of time travel, you right. know, them sort of yeah. um, predicting Suicide Squad and how Jared Leto well, was going to act in that uh, movie. But this is even closer. This is even like it's yeah. weird. It, it, it's it's the movie Network-esque where sort of something that's satirical becomes reality. Well, and it's because because Arthur's just like, well, this is why their stuff is different. Like, they've just lived all over the world. And Buster says, you don't believe that, do you? And Arthur's, like, <laughs> holding up the paper. And and he says, your mom wrote it. And he's, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, my own mom, fooled by aliens. And I'm like, that's somehow easier to believe than his mother was telling the truth. So then this, so weird. So then this I thought, was a real overstepping of bounds. Because it's like, 
Obviously, his mother's making a bunch of dinner because she's going to be having guests over. And then Buster just invites Arthur for dinner. No way would I have gotten away with that as a kid. Like, no way. Not even if there were people coming over. Or not even if there weren't people coming over. I'm just like, hey, can my friends stay for dinner? I'm like, no. I only made enough for you, and that's all I care to make. Like, especially because dinner has already been made. She knows exactly how many people she's making dinner for. It's just like, can I add one more? I'm just like, uh, no. No, you cannot. And just like, let him have dinner at his own place. But of course, Buster wants Arthur to guard him while he has dinner so you can eat in peace and not be encased in an airtight bubble. Uh, so then if, uh, di- dinner is perfectly civil. In fact, nothing really happens. And then it just cuts to Sue Ellen introducing herself at school the next day. She was raised all around the world in places like Costa Rica and Nigeria. And, of course, she hadn't seen snow before because she lived in Costa Rica, a very warm climate. And uh, she passes around Nigerian money called Kobo. And, uh, Which Buster has an amazing line where he goes, <laughs> Kobo Schmobo, how do we even know this is an earth metal? <laughs> Just like he's really trying to stick to his, his guns with this one. And then so finally, Suellen. You could, you could say he's got a confirmation bias. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so finally, Suellen invites him over for hot dogs because uh, Arthur told her that Buster loves them and she's never had an American hot dog, to which Buster. Uh, agrees and seems to uh, resign himself to the fate that he's going to be neutralized by these aliens, but at least they have hot dogs and maybe they're friendly. So, yeah, maybe he'll have one last ballpark Frank. And, and you know what? I actually didn't really like this ending. I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I find it was really like a deuce ex machina of like, oh, look at this last minute thing. And then Buster, on a dime, on, on a Kobo Flip. coin, immediately flips and goes, oh, okay, whatever. I'll be neutralized. Right. Yeah. That, was, that was my problem with the episode, too. I didn't find um, uh, the progression of the episode super captivating. It's like they're paranoid, they're paranoid, they're paranoid, they're paranoid. They're worried she's an alien. They have dinner, show and tell, and everything's cool. Like, right. it's, there was no, I didn't feel the climax. Of, mm. of the issue really being resolved between Buster and Sue Ellen. They just kind of... I get, yeah, he just accepted his own fate yeah. via hot dog. Yeah, pretty much. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll be getting into the, the detailed breakdown at the end of the episode. But oh, okay, I'll okay. be looking. It's okay. Uh, I think that's, that's perfectly acceptable there. And now a word from us kids. And now a word from us kids. Uh, keeping on theme with the episode, we've got new kids in school at this... Um, Boston question mark public school. A lot of these uh, now word from us kids seem to be in like the Boston area or maybe Massachusetts, Massachusetts, because of course it's WGBH Boston. So some of these kids, you know, have the accent, some of them don't, and that's usually they go to like these Boston feeder schools, like your PS one eighteen or whatever. So it's these new kids in school who are writing letters to Sue Ellen. Now, did you guys see this uh, segment? So I did, Mm -hmm. uh, and. No, I don't have much to say except my big question this time is like they're writing letters to Sue Ellen. I wonder if they show the kids the episode before they film the Word From Us Kids segment because they're talking about Sue Ellen and they kind of know the details of her character. But I'm to assume this episode is her big debut, right? Kind of, So yeah. I wonder if – I wonder what context the context the producers like set up for the kids so they know what to write, like who Sue Ellen is, all that stuff. Those are my questions. I have a lot of questions about how Word From Us Kids is filmed. Yeah. 
especially now that we're older and we kind of are able to understand how a TV show is put together. Yeah, I don't have much to say about it either. It's like these perfectly fine, you know, kids' drawings and letters and all that stuff. I will say one of the kids had an awesome name that I want to call out, D. David Cole. I thought that was such a cool name. And I'm just like, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just appreciate when a kid has a cool name. D. David Cole. What did you think of it, uh, Evan? I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to the the word from us kids, uh, truth be told. Um, You didn't miss much with this one, I don't think. Yeah, that's the thing. It it just wasn't compelling to me. I think it would be cool to get one of the kids on the podcast. That's what I'm hoping to do. One of the grown-up kids to just talk about the experience. I think that would be cool. I mean, it's worth saying that if you were ever featured on a now word from us kids, I would love to hear from you. Uh, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com or get in touch with us on social media. Uh, I would. I, you're absolutely right. I think I, I think I said that kind of earlier in the podcast life, but man, I would love to know more about what that whole process was like. Moving into the, to the second episode, it is the perfect brother. So uh, Arthur talking about the ch- the classic the classic childhood fantasy of wishing that you could live with your friends all the time, and talking about what it's like when Arthur has his friends over as guests. So when Buster is there. You know, the the pro is he never has to eat leftovers the next day. And Which, full stop, okay? Okay. Uh, what is Arthur trying to pull here? I have no idea. Like, who in their right mind is, like, thinks leftovers is, like, a negative thing? It's, I, I can't even wrap my head around it. Well, it's, I don't know. I feel like that was almost like, that's like a kid stigma of, like, ew, it's cold food. You know, it's a weird thing of, like, how now that you're older... One of the things I really appreciate is a nice home-cooked meal for my mother. But when I was younger, all I wanted to eat was McDonald's and Wendy's and all that garbage instead of my mother's lovingly crafted home meals. So it must have something to do with that of just like, ew, my mom's cooking again? It's just colder? Good question. Maybe I'm too far removed from my childhood, but I was like, Arthur, this is a ship I cannot sail on with you. (laughs) This is crazy talk. Like, oh, I don't have to eat leftovers. Next he's going to be like... Oh, like I, I, I got I too, I got too much cake for dessert. Yeah. Oh, I got too much birthday money. Like it's just, it's a weird <laughs> thing to say. And and if, and of course, his dad is a chef. Like I know, it's better, so annoying. How much better could it get? They say youth is wasted on the young. Good food is wasted on Arthur. Yeah, no kidding. Anyway, Buster is tucking the hell in to uh, the art to Arthur's spread and down to the last pea. And then he says, I wish Buster could eat here every night. I'm just like, yeah, that way you don't have to eat. Like, <laughs> you're right. This is peas. Yeah, this is a – well, and it's peas. It's like one of the least offensive vegetables out mm, there. I disagree. I, I think a lot of people oh, have a very harsh reaction to peas. I, I know people it's who – It's a texture thing, yeah. It's, I it's, like it's, peas, yeah, but it, I see what you mean. Absolutely. There's people who just they'll, – they'll throw up if they eat peas almost. Like they just they, – they have it in their head so much that peas are disgusting and you don't want it in your mouth that they just can't eat them. I know a lot of people have a pea aversion. Um, never mind that. <laughs> Not R. Kelly, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, hey! there it is. And uh, try the veal. So when uh, Francine comes over, she uh, so Buster e- Buster eats and Francine destroys. So like she, it's really like. It's not even – it's almost like the new Godzilla movie. It's like we don't even see Francine, but we see the destruction in like her actual – she's the only kid in Elwood City to have like a wake, like destruction in her wake, her path. And it's just like everything is like ripped up and the chandelier is like 
like kind of going back and forth and everything's like got all the schmutz all over it. It's crazy. Like, Arthur's what? dad comes and he goes, let me guess, Francine was here. Mm-hmm. To which I would As if she up. was like a Category 5 hurricane or something. Hurricane Francine. To which I would follow up with like, oh, Francine was here. Never again. <laughs> this is not happening anymore. Now, I, I want to know, does Francine have this reputation before this episode as being a destructive? Dest- a destroyer? Yeah. Kind of. She's, she's been more of a ruffian, mm-hmm. a general like hoodlum, mm-hmm. but not oh, necessarily. Okay. Hood- hoodlum's a little far. Uh, <laughs> she's not like she's not like stealing stuff or anything. Uh, she's, she's. I'll tell you what. She's not afraid to play in the mud. Sure. But she she has not. She me- hasn't had the messy. reputation for just straight up property damage mm-hmm. that she gets in this episode. Oh, That's I, more I, of a binky trait, I, I find. I want to yeah. know what she was up to. I'm, I'm I'm very curious. Especially the chandelier was swinging. <laughs> she's clearly she was clearly swinging from it, and it's just like yeah, like monkey bar style. Yeah. Oh, wow. So then Arthur, like tomorrow doesn't exist. <laughs> Uh, and then Arthur says, I wish my friends could live here. Then everything would be perfect. Now, I just want to I want to put a pin in that and I want to keep that as kind of an active discussion here on the show. That that line, I wish my friends could live here. That way everything could be perfect, which is kind of the theme of the episode, but also something I want to I want to talk about. Uh, so the episode starts with Arthur doing another classic kind of crafty thing that you may or may not have done as a kid. So when I was a kid, we had like a full on like craft drawer. So it was like markers, colored pencils, coloring books, and a lot of paints too, like water paints. So Arthur is painting on like old pieces of newspaper. He's painting some sort of animal. And DW says, is that a horse or a pig? To which he's just like, go away. And I'm like, well... Fair question. It's it's like kind of red, so it's not like it could be like a, a wild boar or some kind of you know sandy colored colt. And uh, I, I guess his artistic eye is not that trained. Arthur's mom comes in and says that Alan is coming to spend the weekend, and I love this. I love that nobody of none of his friends remember that Brain has a real name. Hmm. So it's just, he's just like Alan, Alan who. Well, oh, you mean the brain? <laughs> well, I I actually totally have a bunch of friends like that where um, a lot of my friends have the same name, the same first name. Okay. So a lot of them either go by nicknames or their last names. And so it's always weird to me when one of my friends are called Alex as opposed to how I know him oh, as okay. Chisholm. Or uh, I have a fr- I have I have a couple friends where I know them purely by their nicknames. So I totally like I totally uh, uh, saw myself in this where I was like I yeah I've had people where I'm like who is that Oh you're talking about this person uh, Okay I've never really I've never really um, had that before Do you have friends who have that Yeah I definitely have nicknames that they go by more than the regular name But I think Brain is definitely a pretty uh, unique one Who started calling him Brain it, like, I mean, it, it fits, right? He's super smart. Yeah. So, was it somebody who's not smart who said brain? Call, call oh, him that, or, or he like, reclaimed it, or, or did his, did he call himself brain, or did his parents like who came up with this name? And why does nobody even know his real name? Uh, good question. So once the, we figure out that this episode's about Alan or the brain coming to stay with Arthur, I realized this is actually uh, I remember one of my parents favorite Arthur episodes. My parents really like Arthur because really? uh, they used to watch it with us, much like Stephen Colbert when okay. we were little kids. 
Uh, good, and my, acti- good activity. And my parents, uh, both my mom and my dad, really, really like this episode because yeah, okay. they find the whole conceit. And it's interesting from a parent's perspective, but they find the whole conceit of the episode pretty entertaining in that, uh, you know, a kid comes over and they kind of show – I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but he kind of shows up Arthur, yeah. uh, which is something that I think happens – is really common in real life with mm-hmm. play dates even, not just staying over. For sure. That's interesting. Uh, I, like now that, you, now that you mention that, like my parents never ever – really watch TV with me. That's something that I want to do with my kids later in life is I'd like to be more active in their TV watching. I remember because when I was a kid, my parents would reference this Arthur episode all the time. Maybe really? even oh, that would be so in, cool. In, in, in a way which they would want to get me to, you know, be more polite at the dinner table. Like, you know, like the brain didn't want Arthur episode. Why can't you chew episode. your food like Alan? Exactly. I re- I, I, hey, man, I felt Arthur's pain. <laughs> you can't even measure up to a fake kid, let alone... <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so Arthur says, you know, it'd be he gets all excited and he's just like, it'll be just like having a brother. I always wanted a brother. Instead, I got stuck with two sisters. And get a nice little DW line here of, you're not stuck. You can leave at any time. <laughs> I'm like, fair enough. So Arthur's mind is racing with activities for them to do. And he starts off like right, right in the clouds because his very first activity he wants them to do is to build a time machine. Which is sort of like a little kid thing. Like you take a cardboard box. You know, and little, you kid, you know little kid's making time. Active time machines. Well, okay. So the no, things, he wants her to go the whole nine yards. Well, so here's the part of this that falls. Okay, there's a lot of this that falls apart when you put it <laughs> under any sort of scrutiny. But my sure. favorite part is that the time machine that they build in this dream sequence is made out of wood paneling. Okay. Like you, the thing you see is Arthur nailing the final nail in these wooden boards right. that they built the time machine with. And then the brain goes, Oh, yeah, now I just need to put in its nuclear core. Yeah, brain getting the nuclear core from, like, the Libyans or something. Uh, and and he drops it in with tongs, and I'm like, yo, dog, <laughs> I don't think that wood paneling uh, is the best way to encase that unstable uranium. And we don't even know the machinery. Like, is that going in somewhere? Does he just have to insert it like a DVD drop slot? Yeah, he kind of does just drop just it like, in. Whoop. Like, it's one of those top-loader NESs, just gadunk. <laughs> I'll figure itself out. Hey, but you know what? Proves me wrong because not only does it house, not only does the wood hold up, uh, they go back in time. Which, again, another thing I love about the dream sequences is how fun you can tell the how much fun the animators have with the animation. Right, because uh, it's that very spot going backward in time from like when the house is being built to like before the dawn of time. And you see like dinosaurs dying in reverse. Yeah, like, like and from bones to dinosaur. This sequence is super well animated. It's almost, I dare I say, like a Disney quality sequence. Like it's super high concept to see this sort of life in reverse sort of thing. It really surprised me, and it, it, it's a fun time. And then there's a big payoff too, where uh, I, I, Arthur's like, "How are we going to get home?" And uh, and, then, and, then, and then Brain's just like, "I don't know how to go forward in time, just backwards." You want to talk about horrifying? Mm-hmm. That's that's it. It's being stuck in a wooden time machine that can never go back home. And Arthur even says, "Do you mean we can never go home?" And again, taking it taking it on the chin in this in the face of uh, uh, horrific odds is Arthur just being like, "We can never go home," and not just like immediately breaking down in tears like me as a grown man I would do yeah. if I were in that situation. Not very brainy of the brain, I gotta say. He's no. not living up to his name. He's he does. He doesn't have a Not lot of fantasy. At least. He's he's very good at state at, at the first step, and then the second step is where he kind of falters. He doesn't think it through. No. He ironically he, he thought so much about if he could, 
He didn't ask if they should. <laughs> right. Uh, so then, of course, Arthur says, maybe we'll try something simpler, like building sticky shoes that can basically act as anti-gravity footwear as they walk their way up the wall. Um, so sticky that they can stay up there and, like, scare DW with a fake spider. And then, of course, getting to the uh, much more conservative idea for them both is to stay up late, which, of course, is what you're going to do. But uh, they use the sticky shoes to do so. Like, well, yeah, it's, I, it's weird to me. Like, but, if it, but if you had them, wouldn't you be using them all the time? Why, not st- why stay up late if you can't stay up late on the ceiling? No, because if you were staying up late on the ceiling with sticky shoes reading comic books, all the blood would rush to your head. It'd be super duper uncomfortable. Like They're like giggling, yucking it up, having a great time. One, if they move one of their hands, they drop the comic book and the flashlight on the floor so they're on the ceiling in the dark with a head full of blood. Like, the whole situation seems like if you wanted to stay up, you could have just used that. If you're going to use the sticky shoes, climb a building or something. I don't know. Be like one of those Russian kids on Instagram where you climb to the top of a building and you're like, whoa, I'm doing push-ups on the side of this building. I'm so afraid for those kids. I don't know. I, th- I, I think you're coming to uh, being a little bit of a party pooper. Listen, I just don't like having a head full of blood. I don't like laying down on my bed with my head hanging off watching the TV upside down, let alone hanging from the ceiling. Spider-Man, I am not. Tisk tisk. So that's Arthur's ideas for what's going to be happening. And then DW later voices to her mother that's like, Arthur's friend is coming over. It'll be like having two Arthurs. And then, again, talking about some scary imagery here, it's DW <laughs> being, I thought this was creepy, too. Being actively chased and terrorized by two Arthurs. And we're not talking, like, brain dressed as Arthur. It's Arthur and, like, a doppelganger. Uh, that has Brain's voice, but literally looks the same as Arthur. And there's something really unsettling. I don't know what it is, because Arthur, like, nothing about Arthur looks sinister, but two Arthurs running at you, two identical with, Arthurs. With, with, like, rope and stuff? And and the main Arthur, like, the we'll call him Arthur One, yeah. st- who still has Arthur's voice, is sort of putting a put on, like, this is my evil Arthur don't voice. Don't you want to play Egyptian princess? And then the other one just sounds like the Brain, which I can't tell which one's worse. Yeah. Like, it's like, just weird. Sounds evil. Let's talk about uh, DW's fantasy there. That she's worried not only about the doppelgangers, but yeah, Egyptian. Uh, Egyptian. For, first, you're a princess, <laughs> and then you're a mummy. Exactly. And he he stretches out the toilet paper like it's duct tape, like a very menacing. That's what she's worried about. This first, you're yeah, a princess, you're, then you're a mummy. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right, Why Evan. She, she should be more worried about the part where they suck out her brain with a straw. Yeah, yeah. it could. It, yeah, it could have it could have been different. <laughs> it's, it's it's weird to think about, especially because like, could you imagine like the Arthur once like he's holding up like a little bendy straw? He's like, you want to play Egyptian princess? <laughs> yeah. Brain's making like a canopic jar in the shape of DW's head or something. It's it's super strange because uh, like we like we kind of know that you know Arthur's not really going to want to bother with DW when he has brain over so it's like he's not going to want to terrorize her and then some, suddenly DW's like oh no now I'm outnumbered and <laughs> Arthur's going to get his revenge on me <laughs> like it's very dark yeah uh so uh brain gets dropped off and uh, so his parents on the are on the way to the ice creamers convention because they own the local ice cream store and brain's mom was nominated for best new flavor Cucumber Crunch. Which sort of becomes... Which W immediately is like, ew. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, 
you know, cu- cucumber. Dude, dude, don't even no, no, say no, no, that. No, 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 no. Cucumber, even... cucumber and mint's totally like a, a dessert thing. It's totally a stop, dessert thing. Stop it's like it. a cold. Stop it, stop it, no, stop no, no, no. it. You're going too far. What do cucumbers taste like, Will? They, they taste like water. You can accent it with like anything. Green, they taste like vegetables. It tastes like green water. This is this is all the, the crunchy water. You're you're you have a closed mind to this, my dude. Like a cucumber soup is totally like something that I could su- That's I could soup? see, but I could see, what? but it's a cold soup. You know uh, what I'm saying? Uh, Minted cucumber is a real flavor that people do use for in cooking. I know that for they certain. They use it in like mixed drinks. I don't. Yeah, know. yeah, exactly. Like a sweet mixed drink. It's like minted cucumber for sure. It's. Uh, no. uh, listen, some of the flavors we hear about later in this series, like dead fish and all the crazy flavors sure. that Brain's mom gets into, cucumber surprise or whatever it's called, doesn't seem that bad. Sure, I want to hear more. Sure, about it. it could be worse. It could be a kick to my nuts, but you know, <laughs> what is kick to my nuts? Have? Does it have like granola? No, I'm and just like, saying you could kick me in the nuts and, and, and cucumber crunch would be almond, better. some caramel maybe, like trail mix flavor. Car- caramel. Um, but uh, uh, I, I'll say <laughs> this, like yeah. I am really curious about this. This uh, Chocolate balls. Uh, this convention, this ice cream convention. Like I've heard tell of, of I really love consumer con- conventions like, oh, the Consumer Electronics Show CES, yeah. or E3 um, you know the adult video convention, like fast, something fast food convention. Yeah, something about those things fascinate me. Like I've read about the pizza convention, yeah. and it's just all these vendors being like, "Try this pizza innovation oh. we're trying out." Um, mm. It's super fascinating, and I, I'd love to watch like the ice cream awards. Like, what's yeah. the newest innovation in ice cream? That would year? actually be really cool. That's a great point. They wouldn't let you in, Will, though, because you'd be putting up a fuss about cucumbers. I'm not, not at the door. I'm not. I'm just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be like, "Oh yeah, 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 cucumber," and then the second you get your pe- press pass. You're like, finger in the mouth. So uh, Arthur and Brain start off uh, playing together with their action figures. Did this ever happen to you when you were playing action figures with one of your friends and then, like, they had an idea of what you wanted the two of you to do and you had a different – like, did you ever have creative differences when you were playing with someone? Because I'm sure that's happened to me before of just, like, you wanted just, like, we're going to play Power Rangers. And I'm like, no, we're going to play Transformers. And it's just like – I mean, it's like, no, this is a power, like, no, Power Rangers, no Transformers. And like, create, like the earliest, the earliest manifestation of creative differences. Like you ever have that when you were, when you were younger? I always hated playing pretend with other kids uh, for that very reason. Like I always found that like whenever I played with, I certainly never played with action figures with another kid. That's ain't no other kids touching my 20th anniversary Optimus Prime. That thing's Mm -hmm. like a hundred bucks. But I will say that like, a problem I always run, ran into as a kid is, like, you're playing, like, if you're playing war or something, there's always some kid who's like, I got a shield. I didn't die. Like, no one's willing to... Uh, Nobody's willing to do the job. Yeah, no, exactly. No one's willing to do the job for the sake of the game. That's why I think, like, tabletop games are so popular with adults, things like Dungeons & Dragons, because it's essentially playing pretend like you would as a kid, but with a set of rules yeah. that enables people to fail. Because when you play... And there's nothing, there's no pretend obstacle or no pretend hardships or struggle. It's not interesting if every kid's like, I got a shield. Right. Uh, there, there's nothing fun about that. So um, the so, fact that like modern tabletop games have sort of sets of rules and mathematics that allow you to really use your entire imagination, but within a set of constraints, I think is why it's so attractive to adults who were creatives as a kid. Okay. What about you, Evan? Yeah. I, I didn't play a lot of action figures with the other kids. I, I guess sometimes uh, you would you would run into the creative differences. Um, 
because, yeah, nobody wants to establish the rules, but it, when it comes to action figures, that wasn't something I did too often. I collected the action figures and I had them, but mm-hmm. um, no, I, I didn't incorporate my friends with that too much. For me, kind of what after what Lucas said, it's just like you had kind of, it's, it, it, and I'm, this is kind of the way the world works. It's like you have two, you have two people when you're playing imagination games with other people. It's just like you have, you have an idea, and either your friends are like going along with it, or they have a super different idea, and that's and in a way that kind of determines who you're friends with. Because a lot of my friends were just like go would go along with it, and then like if anybody else comes to challenge that, I'm just like, no, we have to play my way. They learned how to yes and at a young age. Mm-hmm. It's I mean it's hard Valuable enough to play. Skill. It's hard enough to play games with your friends when you're younger. When there are rules, like you ever play Pokemon cards with anybody? Who knows the rules to play in Pokemon cards? Well, like, you need those tokens so you can flip the token. You need the energy cards. The energy your, cards. Your I don't know anybody powers. who knew how to play that, and everybody was just cheating and breaking the rules. And I would know how to play Yu-Gi-Oh very, very well. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh yes. is a lot simpler. Uh, yeah. Yu-Gi-Oh is a lot simpler, but still, there'd be people who are like, "No, this is how you do it," and it's like, "No, no, it's not." So it's well, you know, because, kids, well, kids don't. Well, because with Yu-Gi-Oh, the TV show would tell you three different things. It's just like you know, the rule book says you start with eight thousand life points. But they're doing 2,000 life points yeah. on the show, and then they go to 4,000. And I'm like, well, which one is which? It's the Wild West over here of mm-hmm. Yu-Gi-Oh. Exactly. I mean, no, I had, I had my days of Yu-Gi-Oh, I can tell you that. Yeah. Brain is very well-mannered. He's tidier, and he's more sensible than Arthur, and we see that in a couple of ways of just like, he you know, he tidily puts away his clothes. He asks if he can be excused from the dinner table, and Arthur's just like, yo, I'm out. Takes his plate. He thanks Arthur's dad and all that sort of thing. Uh and and then like suggest that he and Arthur do their math homework of just like he's being an A plus guest, and uh, to the point where he's very much impressing Arthur's family. So they do their kind of math problems together, and of course, Brain so smart he finishes it before Arthur, so they can get a jump start on next week's lessons, which Arthur is completely aghast at. Yeah, I got I got I got to stop you there because if if that happened in my home, they would be out. Yeah, I I, I, I agree 110%, Evan. Like, I felt for Arthur so bad in this yeah. one sequence where he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to work ahead on next week's curriculum. Like, no, dog. I don't know who you think I am. I don't know wh- wh- where you're coming from with this keener BS, mm-hmm. but it's got to stop. Because it's, it's not even just being proactive with the assignment at hand. It's... If we do our homework today, we'll have the rest of the week to read ahead for next week's lesson. Read ahead? Where have you ever had the text to read ahead for the next? I would never imagine that in a million years. And I would say, nerd, get out of my house. (laughs) (laughs) If there wasn't... If it wasn't Mr. Ratburn, do you think a public school teacher knows what they're doing next week? Absolutely not. Come on. Like, let's get real here. Yeah, so that was that was no good. Definitely on Arthur's side in that one. So not only all, all of this, but... Brain, like Brain, proving himself superior to Arthur in many ways. He's also better at basketball, and I'll tell yeah. you, Brain <laughs> is balling. Yeah, Bra- Brain, yeah. Brain's putting up triple doubles like nobody's business. He, it, and and he said, like, he's he a was, regular Russell Westbrook. Like he even says, Arthur even says, you beat me thirty games to none. <laughs> Arthur's getting his spot blown up by Brain. But in Arthur's defense, like he's kind of out of breath and he's tired. He's hunched over, and I'm like. Yo, dude, you're playing basketball in a collared shirt and a sweater. And, hey, Brain's doing that, too, and he's not even breaking a sweat, which is very impressive. But, my my dude, get some shorts or something. I, I don't know if you guys ever tried to play basketball no. in that sort of wardrobe. Not even it's basketball in general. Very, very uncomfortable. No kidding. Uh, so, I, again, I feel for Arthur. Uh, no one likes to be crossed up 24, 30 times in a row. And then, of course, Brain says he shoots 100 free throws every night for practice. 
And a great line here. I was just like, Arthur's like, you weren't just born good. <laughs> I'm just like, if only he was born born that good, then Arthur at least wouldn't be able to compete. Uh, that night they're they're like going to sleep. It's like Friday night or something. And then Arthur's like, you want to sneak down and watch Curse of the Puppet Sister on TV? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just like Curse of the Puppet Sister. I'm like, ah, oh, probably looks like DW or something. Uh, so when I was a kid, like you know, child's play and all that sort of thing. There was this horror movie called Pinocchio's Revenge, and I was pretty scared of puppets. Now I'm not scared by them, but they make me physically ill. Oh, yeah, wow. it's, it's weird. Like, my, my uncle had, like, this, this animatronic Pinocchio doll, and I remember I was, like, eating, like, sweet and sour chicken balls, while and he turned it on, and it started dancing, and I was just like, I'm not hungry. So then Brain, like a capital N nerd, says, we th- I think we'd better sleep. It's while you sleep <laughs> you grow. Great little nugget of wisdom right there. And then, and then to which Arthur has his own, which I personally agree with, I'd rather be short and watch scary movies. Again, I agree with Arthur on this one 110% in that I am short and I would rather watch scary movies. Word. So I'm with you, brother. I'll be 5'6 and watch Dream Warriors till the day I die. Sounds good to me, man. I, I, I'm interested in dissecting this, this statement here, though. <laughs> okay. That, that it's while you sleep you grow. What do you what do you guys get out of that? Because I don't I, I think there's something to it. I don't I don't think he's completely up to lunch in this one. Wait. No, I don't. It's just like just it just sounds incredibly geeky of just like <laughs> it's also come, not it's, true. It's like come on. I don't think that's true. It I think sounds, you're, you're growing like, at all times. It sounds like a bit like an old wives' tale. It's a, it, mm-hmm. I, I think it's like a, but it's it's uncharacteristic for the brain because he's very matter of fact. Uh, you know, he doesn't use hyperbole. He doesn't simplify things. He's always giving the dictionary, textbook, encyclopedic definition. That's his whole shtick. Like, instead of – if Brain saw a dog, he wouldn't say that's a dog. He'd be like, oh, you know, that's a canine – like, he'd use the Latin name. Caninus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So – uh, it was weird to me. I don't think that's true. I think you're growing all the time. But maybe he was just trying to coerce Arthur into going to sleep. Possible. Uh, yeah, I was. I was thinking that too. Of just like maybe he's just tired from the hundred free throws that he <laughs> exactly. Hit. But hey, guess what, nerd? I want to watch Jason X and all. <laughs> Jason in space. Oh, oh, absolutely, God. such a good movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, brain and brain just man, he keeps going because the next day, DW says as Arthur's coming outside. While you were tying your shoes, brain taught pal new tricks, and these are these are these are like circus grade tricks. These like teaching him how to like crawl on the ground, how to walk on his hind legs, and how to throw something out. Like with just these simple hand signals and like. Class Lapping? Like, I don't know how he achieved that in seconds. I'll tell you how. He's got the Velcros. The Velcros? <laughs> yeah, he could do up his shoes right quick because he's got them, them like, Raph Simmons Velcros. And so he <laughs> snaps those on, does his three froze, and he gets to teaching. To which DW is just like, I always thought that dog was dumb. I guess it's just you, Arthur. Which is a good line because DW is always talking about – that's, like, that fits in the continuity. DW is always talking about how dumb um, – Pal is. And then they're making their own, like, kind of cardboard plane flyers. And, you know, brains like, you know, taking this corner off of the wing and then, like, making sure it's aerodynamic. Arthur's just kind of slamming his together and be like, I'm done first. I beat you. And it's then, the one thing Arthur gets over brain in, like, in this entire episode. Yeah. He's then, like, I beat you. But then he doesn't because brain's playing the long game because his. His plane, like, stays up in the air for minutes at a time, and Arthur's is just a dumb old plane that just flops down whenever you throw it. 
and uh, really gets shown up here. And then once again, uh, Arthur's dad is making like sandwiches or burgers or whatever. And so he's like putting in mayonnaise, ketchup and mustard. And then Brain just takes over for a second. He puts them all into their own containers, duct tapes them together so they can use all three at the same time. Mm. Which Which Arthur's dad's like super mystified by. He's like, oh, my goodness. Like, what a crazy idea. It saves so much time. And to which Arthur, Arthur has a great line. He says, yeah, dad. Mayonnaise is wild. <laughs> it's a great line, and it's a great delivery, too. Like, yeah. it's a very, like, 2017, uh, uh, like... Snarky millennial. Yeah, snarky millennial, like, rolling your eyes, looking up from your phone. Yeah, thinking, Dad, mayonnaise I was, is I was wild. Thinking, I, was thinking more wild. Of that. I was thinking more of For that. For current term. <laughs> it's like this mayonnaise is lit. <laughs> uh, but it's it's also a little bit of that classic 90s disaffected sarcasm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Dad, mayonnaise is real <laughs> wild. Uh, so then Arthur wants to play his favorite game with Brain. I thought this was incredibly sad. He says, this is my favorite game, but no one likes to play with me. I'm like, oh, man, that, that really sucks. And which I know the board game struggle, man. You, if you're trying to like trick people into playing Carcassonne or Arkham Horror with you, it's like I promise it's going to be fun. Like, come on, guys. So you take or, this eight-sided die and you, and you do this. People and, and collect these runes. Yeah, oh people God, can't boy. stop looking at the door. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't mind going back to uh, the condiments, actually. Yeah, please do. Um, because the whole thing is that Brain is being a very polite guest. He's he's doing everything right. He, yep. He's uh, you know helping out. He's he's helping you know. But this condiment thing, I think he's getting a little carried away because he who duct tapes three bottles of condiments together as in that's helpful. Like, and they all thought it was. And also when you look at what was getting plopped onto the bread, not well dispersed. This big gunk, <laughs> big chunk of all these nasty condiments just in a blob. Like they didn't even spread it with a knife. I would like there was nothing impressive about it. And and it was <laughs> wow. I. I also, like, didn't care for it. Arthur's Standard. dad is a professional chef. That's his exactly. bread and butter. The gall of someone to waltz into his place of business and go, oh, yeah, I could do better. See, yeah. I, I, Brain does it in a more polite way. He's like, oh, I don't think you're using the full capacity of the, here's a much more. But it's still like, it's like if someone walked into my place of business and was like, oh, you know what? I've really streamlined this thing you do. And See, it's brain's like. A, brain's able, he's got that skill to fake it till you make it. He can just <laughs> walk in and be like, I can help you here. And then he just kind of figures something out on the fly. It's like, here's what you're doing wrong. The mayonnaise, ketchup, and relish aren't all duct taped together. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine this. someone saying that to, like, a Guy Fieri, like, <laughs> waltz right in and goes, no, no, I got my own route to Flavor Town. I don't think he would be too pleased. I don't think I've ever seen that man unhappy in my life. <laughs> yeah. That's a, good, that's a good point there, Evan. Um, and then Arthur bringing out this board game, and, not, and now Brain has reprogrammed his mother's computer. <laughs> And that was impressive. I'll, I'll give him that. Yeah, for okay. sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, del- delete this and everything will run faster. The, it's just like, oh, 90s computers. Mm-hmm. All you had to do was delete files and it would run faster. That's cute. Uh, so Arthur sets up the board game outside. And then Brain... Which, by the way, not a good move. Board game's outside, not oh, that yeah. fun. The wind blows the pieces away. It gets lost. Not a good... Play it inside. Yeah. And then... And then and then Brain is reading Rapunzel to DW. Like he's not even he's barely even paying attention to Arthur. He just got wrapped up in this story with DW. And uh, Arthur at this point thoroughly annoyed with Brain's perfection because he goes over to Buster's house and 
Buster's like, why didn't you want him coming to the park with us? And he's just like, he's always being smarter than me, neater than me. He even eats better than I do. And it's a cutaway to Brain and Arthur eating a plate full of fries, which is which is actually something I remember having as a kid, like back in the day, just like a classic kid dinner of just like, here's a bunch of fries. Like, have at him, kiddo. And One thing I wanted to say about this little bit is we've seen Buster's house before and uh, Francine's house before. But yeah. something that I just realized watching this episode was I actually think it's a really cool detail um, when you see the outside of each of the kids' houses, you could tell they come from different economic backgrounds. Yeah, that's something I've always appreciated too. And what I love about that is because it's something I never noticed as a kid. It's something you only appreciate as an adult. And I think that's totally the goal of it. It's like it, – it, its goal is to show like it's not even something that should enter a kid's brain. Like, oh, Francine lives in this small apartment – um, Buster kind of also lives in like a slightly bigger a bit, like a bit of like a duplex. Yeah, like a duplex. Um, and as adult looking at that, it's like, oh, their parents have different incomes. Yeah. But as a kid, it's just like, oh, kids live in different places. Yeah. I never even realized as a kid that someone who lived in a small apartment when I went over to their house had less money than my family. Sure. It's just that they're they live in a different house. You, you just assume everybody lives in houses, and then you go and like I remember going over to my friend's houses that was an apartment. And I'm like, this is awesome. I wish I lived in an apartment. So I think it's a cool touch by the writers, and it shows how like representation in media works especially in kids programming because once you see something as like oh I just see that and it's like normal uh, it, it it's subtly almost subconsciously teaches that lesson in that kid's head so that's a, that's, uh, that's, that's a great detail that I never noticed about Arthur until now that's a great point uh, thank you very much for bringing it up it's something that I kind of think about but I never thought of really uh, uh, vocalizing at all uh, so yeah the cutaway where again you want you want to talk about th- things that brain's doing sticking in your craw. It's 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 eating fries with a fork and knife. Mm-hmm. Like you're, it's like it's like cutting pizza with a fork and knife. Like it's for it's for middle aged mothers and nobody else. Like stop it. Just use your hands like a normal person. Yeah. I'm with you on the fries. I disagree about the pizza. Oh, when you're when you're nice. typing on a computer, you don't want to get grease on the keys. Just use a napkin. Oh, Lucas, okay. I thought I knew you. Listen, use a napkin. Oh, so I got all the time in the world. All you got to do is slice up with a fork and knife. Two it's easy peasy. What are you? What are you? What are you I, doing I'm gonna have. A, I'm a creator. What's your, what's your so you want me to destroy it? the environment? Is what you're saying? You want me to create a bunch mm. of waste? I can, all I need to use is a fork and a knife. I just wash them. There's no blue. There's no footprint. It's a more fake news. It's an fake news. Ecologically, no, this is factual. No, this it's is, not. There is qualitative and quantitative data. Alternative fact. I'll have my cucumber ice cream after I have my Ugh. dinner of fork Ugh. and knife pizza. Oh, you can keep it all. I can't believe this. Feels so betrayed. But then Buster kind of says to him, "The brain is nice. He wouldn't be trying to make you look bad on purpose." And Arthur, another really sad line. You're right. I guess it's not his fault. My family likes him better. (laughs) Oh, man. He's like he's really resigned himself to the fact that just like, well, might as well throw me out with the trash because I'm not doing any better than this. Well, it's also not Arthur's fault, though. Like if you listen carefully, like Arthur's parents are being super passive aggressive this whole episode. Yeah, like look how neatly Alan keeps his clothes. And I get that they're not trying to be like ultra annoying. But if my parents were doing that stuff to me, I'd be like, oh, my God, guys, like cut it out. Oh, I'd rather them 
him just be like, hey, Lucas, could you be a little bit more clean than be like, oh, look at your friend. He's, I hate when people are passive aggressive yeah. that way. Just just communicate with me directly. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, so Arthur goes home and his dad his dad kind of makes him finish his, his math homework. And then like the biggest slight in this episode, this is as sad as it gets. The, Arthur is doing his math homework. Then he goes to the window when he hears his family laughing and having fun. And they're playing his favorite board game outside <laughs> without him. They didn't even invite him to play. That is so mean. DW said it wasn't fun playing with Arthur <laughs> because Brain actually read the rules. Which, you know what? You know what, though? I'm with DW on that one. You may have a point. Yeah. yeah sure. Oh, we're just going to play Game of Thrones, the board game, and make it up as we go along. No, dog, that board game is complicated as heck. Yeah. you got to know about the victory track and who holds the Iron f- Throne. You can't just jump in on that one. What happens with free parking? Nothing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, no, but I still found that really, really sad. Like, really... I would almost um, – it almost seems like something Arthur would imagine of like they're playing my favorite board game without me and they didn't invite me. But it's like, no, this is actually happening. This is like a nightmare. Um, and, I, and, I, and I noted that when DW says that thing like, you know, brain reads all the rules, she kind of puts a little bit of a, a lilt in her voice. It just like – it's like when I played this game with Arthur, it was boring. He didn't read all the rules like you, Alan. So it's like, oh, I think DW is kind of crushing on the brain a little bit. Oh, well, DW is always putting those things out there that never leave you and dwell on your psyche. Uh-oh. And and she's she'll mess with you mentally and emotionally for sure. That's, that's, that's how she operates. Wow. So you're saying that she's doing this like while looking Arthur in the eye and being like. I just think she has a very poisonous attitude at, at times for sure, I, I think. She's like four. Agree? Yeah. She's like four okay. years old. Well, <laughs> yeah. all, 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 ch- all children are, are sociopaths. You know what I mean? They yeah, have yeah. they we, have we, no we, sense of the other. They're yeah, they're, they're self obsessed. So I, I wouldn't expect anything worse or better. From I think her. at this I think at this I point suppose. I think at this point just seeing DW this many times I feel like it's a bit more maybe innocent than you than you're putting it on. Well, I just see her very much as like you guys watch Drake and Josh like yes. like Megan. No, actually, she's a, I, lot, she's I, I a do, lot like Megan. A Miranda Crossgroves Cosgroves character. Sure, yeah, yeah. She's where always out to get the brothers, always trying to trying to ruin their good time, ruin their ruin their fun. Hey, that's siblings though, huh? Ain't, sp- ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? I suppose, but uh, I'm just saying. Sometimes she put things out there that are that are pretty negative. Hey, sis- sure would- sisters, am I right? You can't live with them, can't live without them. Interest, interest, interesting take there uh, on that, Evan. Uh, so, fin- so finally, <laughs> was it? No, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's it's good to get another sort of look at it from the other side because we're very we're very partial to DW. Well, I mean, Arthur Arthur's like the main character, right? Yes. And there's no real villain in the show, no. but but certainly in Arthur's life, DW kind of comes across as a villain, and, and to Arthur, DW is always is the thorn in his side, always trying to ruin, ruin what he's trying to do. I sure. totally agree, right? especially when you just look at this episode, but I also find in a lot of other episodes, looking back at it now, um, I find Arthur has been a lot of a lot more unsympathetic than I remember him being. A lot of cases where DW is filling the villainous role, Mm. she's doing it in a way where she's just being annoying and she just kind of wants his attention. And a lot of times Arthur has a really nasty response to that sort of energy. And I get it. Again, you have to think about all of this in the context of, oh, they're kids. Like, this is how kids operate, which is realistic. But I do think your perspective is valid. It's that kids kind of have the capacity to be both hero and villain. Yeah. Mm. I'm I'm also mean just because Arthur's our main character. He's Mm. our guy. He's who our following who are following but i do agree because in this episode a lot of the 
seemingly nasty things DW said were, were pretty founded. Like we were talking about the the picture that Arthur was drawing. It wasn't a good picture. So I mean, it's, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like she, she does have a point, but you know, she could have said it a bit nicer. Yeah. Uh, so it's finally Brain's time to leave, and uh, you know Arthur is very is rushing him out of the door. Uh, but before he leaves, DW says Kate said her first word this morning. Brain. I'm like, wow, just rubbing it in. Uh, so, you know, Arthur's kind of sulking, walking Brain back to his house and just like, you know, Brain's like, are you mad at me, Arthur? And he's like, who could be mad at you? You're perfect. And just like nice little nice little uh, diplomatic response, but also very little, little tinge with a bit of venom. Uh, so Brain gets back home and we finally fi- find out that it was – it was not all it was cracked up to be. Brain isn't perfect all the time. He kind of, you know, his parents are happy to see him and he kind of rushes away from him. And then they go up to his room and it's like a pigsty. Like he's got clothes and crap everywhere. And, you know, Brain said, I was a guest in your house. I had to be polite. I had to be to be neat and tidy and it almost killed me. Because, of course, you know, the kind of common trope with, you know, smarty pants in fiction is that they're very uh, disorganized and messy. And then finally, we end the episode uh, with Arthur and Brain using one of those classic popcorn makers to make popcorn. And uh, then Arthur kind of gets his final dig in by helping Brain's dad bring in the groceries. And then, you know, his dad's like, Alan, you could learn a few lessons from Arthur. And like, oh, yeah. g- a little dig in the ribs, got you there, pal. And then they start throwing popcorn at each other. And then, yeah, the roles uh, reverse. Yeah, very much but so. But it still stands that the brain is way better at basketball than Arthur. That's true. That'll Ar- never change. That'll and, never change. And you know what, though? We don't know if it's that the brain's really, really good or if Arthur's game's just straight trash. <laughs> it's true. Uh, <laughs> but, and, this is not the first time basketball has come up. Like, we've seen DW beat Arthur at, ba- at three throws before in previous episodes. That's true, yeah. So uh, I, I'm starting to think that the problem's more with Arthur than it is the brain, though he does throw 103 so throws a day. So you're saying that Arthur's game is, is straight up Greta Garbo? I, I'm saying, yeah, Arthur's game is weak, weak AF. Uh, maybe he could play for, like, who's doing really bad right now? He's certainly, like, the brain's going to get drafted to the Spurs, Oklahoma City, but Arthur, man, he's going to be stuck with the Pelicans. Like, they're going to draft him this season. Ouch. Yeah. All right, so now is the time of the episode where we can take a look back and uh, give our give our thoughts. So uh, let's we're going to start it. We're going to move down the line since there is a line to move down this time. Uh, Evan, what did you think of Sue Ellen moves in? It was cool. Um, like I said, this is the first Arthur episode I've watched in a while. Thought it was fine. I liked all the the Buster paranoia that was going on. Uh, I liked all the the dream sequences, the fantasies and stuff. Um, and it just reminded me why I like Arthur. Arthur to me is kind of like. Kind of like the kids' version of, like, The Simpsons, maybe. Like, hmm. it, there's a there's a very large cast of characters. Yeah, it's like, got an ensemble cast. Yeah. You know, you, the yeah. teacher's a character. You know, like, I, I guess it's mostly kids, but all the, all the adults. Like, every, there, there's a big, diverse array of characters, which, which is cool. So I like that about it. Again, I think the episode could have been paced a little better if I have to really critique it. Because um, it did all of a sudden. It's just like everybody uh, thinks Sue Ellen is... Uh, damn near evil and then it's just like oh okay no she's she's from somewhere else and and, and it's cool and then it was just all resolved in like a snap of the fingers you know yeah so i, I kind of wish there was a little bit more of a climax um but it was it was cool i liked it all right and it's and it's good to get your thoughts as somebody who's kind of returning to arthur for the first time in a long time whereas we've been kind of entrenched with it for the last by the way uh 21 episodes congratulations hooray to 20 episodes and Our- thanks for being here with us evan of course what Nothing. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I, 
I will go from something you said and kind of into my own, uh, Evan. It was that I did think that the episode didn't really wrap up as well as it wanted to. The ending just kind of came out of nowhere. And I will say I'm not really a huge fan of this one just because it was, you know, normally in these episodes you want to kind of give the audience a good idea of what a character is, like who they are. And, I mean, by the end of the episode we kind of get it. We get a very brief, like, vague overview of like, oh, she's the person who, you know, the who comes from away sort of thing. She's lived all over the world. She's the wild thornberry. Sure, sure. <laughs> it's more of a it's more of a buster episode than it is a Sue Ellen. That's one. what I was gonna say, is that for an episode that's about introducing a new character, we don't really it's not really from her perspective or like it doesn't really tell us much about her. It's all about Everybody else reacting to her, especially Buster. And while the Buster stuff was kind of funny in that weird kind of prescient way that you mentioned, Lucas, like it kind of – it also kind of tired me a little bit because of just like – again, we're making it all about Buster and how like – how paranoid he is and all that sort of stuff. And like, at, at, you know, at some points I was just like, OK, can we talk about Sue Ellen now? Like we know we know everything that she isn't. She isn't a cat burglar. She isn't a spy. She isn't invisible. She isn't an alien. But like what is – I'll also say, though, those those little vignettes with Suella and us, all those different things, those were my favorite parts of the episode. Those were a lot of fun. Like, I, uh, like, I thought those were a lot of fun. I thought that, that uh, another opportunity where the creators got to be creative mm-hmm. and really kind of flex that muscle a little bit. But other than that, I wasn't really, I wasn't really that crazy. Hopefully we'll it. be seeing some more Sue Ellen. Yes. And see how this character develops. Yeah, absolutely. Lucas. I felt really conflicted about this episode yeah. uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think they, they sort of missed the point or they didn't really – like what I mean by this is at first I thought this episode was going to be about rumors. And I, that's, what, that's what I thought the moral of the episode was going to end up being because when you see you all those – You thought this was going to be about that Fleetwood Mac song? Exactly. That album. Um, but uh, I uh, – um, like when everybody's calling each other and saying all these things about Suellen and they're also like looking into her house and making all these assumptions, like I thought the moral of the story was going to be like don't spread rumors about people right. or because that's like a really negative thing to do, sure, especially for a kid. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, and then it's sort of like there isn't really a moral to the episode. Like uh. what's the moral? Like, hey, Buster, stop reading the fake news. Like <laughs> and that's so that's the other thing is like. I, I love Buster. He's one of my favorite characters, and I find him really funny. And I like I like when they play up his sort of eccentricities. But, like, this is so weird. This is such a weird thing. But I really, really was uncomfortable with, again, like you said before, just this episode in the current context of 2017, yeah. the way that kind of thinking, that sort of stick your head in the ground, do not believe facts when they are presented to you, fake news, hashtag fake news thinking, is something that's really, we laugh, and it's it's kind of strange to see in this kid's show, but it's something that really frustrates me, and that I f- think is straight up dangerous um, to the world at large these days, and so it gave me the icks, like I just had a really yeah. bad vibe this whole episode with all the stuff Buster was saying, like especially when he's saying stuff like it's that kind of thinking and like not trusting his mom's newspaper article. It was just a little too real for me. It hit a little too close for to home. And it's funny because if if it were like a year earlier than I we know, this, it's so like, weird. You may you may have had you may be thinking completely differently about this but that's a I think that's a good point to bring up it's so strangely uh, analogous to what's going on right now uh, but what did you think of the perfect brother 
So The Perfect Brother, I think, it, again, uh, it holds a special spot in my heart as one of my parents' favorite episodes. Right. Looking back on it today, it's not the most entertaining episode in the world. It's, yeah. it's definitely a lot slower paced than the one that precedes it. Uh, but I think it's okay. Like, it's got a good moral. Uh, I think it's a situation that a lot of kids find themselves in. I know I'm always the bad kid when I'm at my house, and I was always the polite kid when I was at someone else's yeah. house. So yeah. I definitely lived it, and I definitely... It's one of the times where, you know, we've talked before about how sometimes I have trouble feeling for Arthur or seeing his perspective just because I think so differently than him. Sure. But in this episode, I totally felt for Arthur and I totally empathized with his position. So I think that's its its strength. It's not as funny as the episode before it, but I definitely, again, it didn't make my skin crawl like <laughs> Sue Ellen Moves In did. Uh, I liked I liked this one. I thought it was pretty good. Um, you know, I th- I thought uh, you know it was it was nice and imaginative in certain places. I, I you're right. I was able to kind of understand where Arthur was coming from. Uh, the point that I wanted to make that I brought up earlier. You know, the theme of the episode is kind of like I wish my friends could live here, and I actually took a little something out of this more as an adult than anything else. Of just when you're a kid, you wish you could just live with all your friends because you think it's going to be. Um, it's like Animal House. Yeah, it's going to be like a 24-7 party. Like, how could that not be amazing? If you didn't have to worry about money and food and all that sort of thing, you just have your friends would live with you all the time. But that's a lesson that you have to learn, and this is like kind of Arthur learning that lesson, except for some of us, it comes when like maybe we live with a friend as a roommate. And then it's just like there's a, it's a lot different than like seeing your friend at school and then having to like come home to them. It's like having a friend as a roommate or just realizing like how differently you guys are than when you're out in public than when you're at home, I think is a really important lesson to learn because you come to find out, oh, living with one of my best friends, like it's not a it's not a 24 seven party. In fact, they kind of get on my nerves now. And this is kind of Arthur learning that lesson, albeit in a different context than, say, you or I would when we are older. So it's I thought, all fun and games until you see that mystery hair on the bar of soap, and then you go, "I'm done with this." Right. So nope, nope, nope. So I kind of took a bit a, a bit more away from it as an adult than I may have as a kid. But yeah, I thought I thought it was pretty good. I agree. I like uh, I like the brain episode a little bit more than I like the Swellen one. Okay. Even though um, the Swellen was one was a little more out there, wild with the conspiracy theories, the the cutaways to the fantasy scenes and stuff like that, and that was cool. But I liked uh, I liked the heart of the brain episode a little bit more. I think I like that it actually kind of drove home a little bit of a moral message, um, and. So, so that was pretty nice. It also had the best quote um, with, uh, yeah, dad, mayonnaise is wild. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I wrote down this is my favorite quote of these yeah. two episodes. Yeah, and I'll, I'll give some honorable mentions to the other one. I mean, it, um, uh, which one was it? It was, um, oh, yeah, uh, they're going to neutralize me uh, from Buster. That, that was a really good one in the Swellen one, but the mayonnaise line was really good. And uh, even it's why you sleep, you grow. I, I like that one, too. Yeah, that I thought one, that was yeah, cool. That one seemed to really stick. Just because, yeah. He, yeah, he just had a little bit of a... Uh, I don't know. It seems like uh, we're starting to see Brain's spiritual side or something like that. Mm. Like, he, he seems to have something up his sleeve that maybe we don't know about. Oh, he's, he's, he's very namaste. Yeah. Um, but certainly, it's a relatable episode for kids, you know, ha- having their friend over and, and feeling uh, like they're getting showed up a little bit, especially with the brain. Perfect uh, kid to be coming over and doing that. Yeah. Because, uh, you know. Yeah, I can't see Binky showing up Arthur that much. <laughs> I want to see that episode when Binky comes well, over. No, in fact, in fact, Arthur shows up Binky a little bit. Later episode, Arthur stays over at Binky's place. Mm. So we'll have to we'll be getting to that much, much later. Mm-hmm. All right, so there's the episodes. It's Sue Ellen Moves In and uh, The Perfect Brother. Uh, you can, uh, of course, seek that out for yourself. And speaking of seeking things out, 
before we get into our plugs. Uh, Evan, did you have a good time? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, having me on the show. Of course. I've been, been a fan of the podcast, so uh, honored to be on it. And as a matter of fact, before we get in our plugs, is there anything that you would like to plug? Anything, any of your creative endeavors? Uh, you can always check out the Albert Wiley 4-Way on SoundCloud. I'll just leave it at that. Um, I'll tell you what. We'll, um, we will uh, re... Uh, what, it's not retweet. It's not. But well, maybe it's like re, reblog. We will. We. I'll share. I'll share a couple things on our SoundCloud this week. <laughs> okay. And I don't can, know uh, uh, if the audiences uh, intersect very I, closely. But I will. I will put up. A, I will put up a warning there that it's you know a bit NS. It could be a bit NSFW. It's in terms rap of, music in terms of language. It is rap music, yeah. but it is Evan Stoney uh, laying it down. So I'll. I'll get you to send me a couple of recommendations of your stuff, and I'll. Uh, I'll see to uh, sharing that this week on our SoundCloud feed. Throwing bands like your Muffy. Okay, I was I was trying to think of an <laughs> Arthur rap lyric. That's the closest <laughs> I can think of. Uh, all right, so of course you can catch us on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, facebook.com slash Elwood City Limits. You can follow us on Twitter at ECL Podcast. Thank you to everybody for the uh, the interactions we had in the past week, retweets, likes, and uh, responses galore. It's been a great time. Uh, ElwoodCityLimits.tumblr.com, great place to go as well if you want to uh, see all of our fun uh, screen caps and reblogs and all that sort of stuff. And of course, you can listen to the podcast. Podcast, soundcloud.com slash Elwood City Limits, and you'll be able to uh, hear a little bit of Mr. Evan Stoney's uh, rap side. And he is he is quite good. If you're into hip hop, I would definitely recommend that you keep your eye on us and, of course, give them a follow as well. One more time, what's it called? The Albert Wiley Four Way. Right, good to know. And finally, if you're on iTunes, you can, of course, keep us with you everywhere your Apple device goes. Remember, if you are on either Facebook or on iTunes, please rate and review. We would really appreciate it. And, of course, subscribe. And finally, if you would like to send us an email for the show, ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. All right, that's going to do it for me. And once again, Evan, appreciate you uh, being here with us. Uh, Lucas, any final words? I'd rather be short and watch scary movies. Ain't that the truth? Okay, for Evan Stoney, our special guest, and of course, Lucas Mancini, my name's Will Young. Thanks for listening to this episode of Elwood City Limits. I'd wear a t shirt that's hey. Like that. Hey! 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 Must be nobody! If you wanna go and hang around with me, I'm gonna run and I'm out with the only me. Why do I live?